Check, check, one, two. Okie dokie. Holy moly, that's loud. <laughs> I watched a YouTube t- tutorial on making um, video lights out of cake tins. <laughs> what? <laughs> the cake tins? So I've now got the option to go moody. Oh. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That's pretty great. Mm. I'm jealous. I got one of these Stream Deck <laughs> things, but I haven't hooked up any lights to it yet. Yeah, Stream Deck. Cool. One of my key ones is that it's got your time, so I don't have to do the math anymore. Because <laughs> yeah, I always I've get added, it messed up. <laughs> I've added Portland to my world clock. Yeah. What's the Stream Deck like? Do you use it for Fusion? Oh, you can. It's basically just like a shortcut machine. I have yeah, a very, yeah, I've seen them. very simple setup right now for this. But you can like change the pages yeah. to like this is some of the like air boxes in the shop that I have on smart remotes, and then the heater yeah. in my office, the mist control Ooh. for the mill. Mist control, really? This turns on the Prusa lights that are on a little thing. You've got the mill hooked up to it. <laughs> God no! It's just the mist collector is on a one. Oh, the mist collector, like a little yeah, yeah, simple yeah. thing. The mist away, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was primarily so that you walk away and leave it on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you drinking? Oh, I've been trying to drink less, like, sugary stuff, so I've been trying this ginger ale, but it's got that, like, stevia stuff in it. Oh, yeah. It's it's okay. It's got some <laughs> a little bit of flavor. I've already had enough coffee, and it's, like, 1 o'clock, so I can't drink that anymore. How's your week? It's been all right. All right, yeah. we're still battling the Kaiser Breaker. Seems to be undersized now. It's been tripping, mm. so we think we can change that. And it's been working mostly, but it really stumped the electrician for a bit. I was like, "Why is it tripping?" Other than that, our forklift's been out of commission because I accidentally changed the battery with the wrong style of battery, twelve volt battery, and it was reversed <laughs> and tried to start it. And so I don't know what I did oh. to it at this point. Um, You're just changing the battery yourself. Yeah, it's just the not not the traction battery, just the yeah, just just one that yeah. It was so we bought the thing used last (laughs) summer, and it's a 1997. I've done a little bit of engine work on cars and stuff, and I have no interest in doing most of it. But I was like, oh, I can change a battery, and then I bought the wrong one where the poles are on the opposite side on accident. Gotcha. Didn't think about it, and then blew some fuses. And now I don't know. And it's fairly expensive to have technicians come. So I've been trying to toy with it myself. But <laughs> I assumed you meant like the traction packed in an, in an electric forklift. And I thought that was rather ambitious of you. No, no, it's a gas LP. Yeah. Old one. So it was working great till this happened. Classic. How about you? Yeah, I don't know what I've been doing. I get to the end of the day and I have to like look at my time card to be able to tell Laura what I did that day. It's all a blur. You keep your own time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Track. I used to do that. Track every minute, pretty much. Just straight into the projects or yeah, into zero Max projects or something like that. Nah, zero projects. Zero projects. Yeah, yeah. What have I been doing this week? I've been detailing that job I told you about last week. The American Oak tables that we're going to turn on the cnc oh yeah getting closer haven't prepped the stock for that yet so we're not ready to set up that janky thing again but that'll be fun yeah a bunch of quotes yeah 
that's been decent. Got a solid two hours on the pencil sharpener yesterday morning and got the first automated double-sided part mm-hmm. off the machine. Whoa. So that was a win. That's a big win. I was watching your yeah. You were posting some good stories on that, and I was like, is he going to do it? And then I don't remember if I either missed it or you didn't show, actually. I wasn't too conscientious on the stories yesterday. I just yeah. dropped in bits and pieces. But, yeah, I guess it's a big deal, like... That was always the intention to be able to machine both ends of a part and have mm-hmm. it spit it out automatically. So it was a good win to get to that. And I only crashed it the hardest I've ever crashed it once. So, you know. Do anything or what's I, crashing typically? That was both tools into both chucks simultaneously. Broke the tool just, then? Just a rapid, yeah, snapped the end clean off one of the thread mills. Mm. Because I mm. think they're just brazed on, like it's a. Oh sure. I think it's a carbide shank because they don't bend. Uh, with <laughs> how, do you, carbide. How, how do you know? <laughs> well, no, true. <laughs> I don't have a surface plate. I can't test that. Um, snapped the one tool clean off and broke a tip on the other one, and I've done it so many times now. The recovery process is quite quick. Just yeah. Poor little Makitas get beaten back into true. As close as possible. I think you had a story that panned over something that said like pencil sharpener alignment fixer tool or something. Yeah, yeah. Like a piece of wood. The, the beating stick, yeah. <laughs> what do we call uh, it? I know, what do they call that? Percussive maintenance? Yeah. I've got a, a whole drawer in my tool trolley just called percussion. <laughs> yeah, so I got that back online pretty quickly and got that part done. I've been doing the threaded peg. It's the first double-ended peg. But now that that's working, then I can get the kit apart styles into production because we're still doing them one at a time and flipping them manually between operations. That'd be good. What else is happening? I don't know. <clears throat> I got in trouble last week. I think I mentioned we were uh, trying to close out the end of April and mm-hmm. hit our sales target. And I had one job clear on the Friday when we're not. no one's in. I was, kind of, I was watching the inbox and the web chat like because we've got a chat function on our website and stuff. Ah, and I was staying engaged because I was like, had a sale running, and I was trying to close out the month in a strong position. Instant responses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I saw in the emails that a customer had paid the deposit on a little joinery job, and I was like, so I jumped straight to zero, and I approved the invoice, which then puts puts it into the monthly sales figures. A cruel, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yes, we made it. And then Monday morning, I was chatting to Sarah, and she was like, oh, I saw what you did with that invoice. I was like, that's not how I do it. And, like, I've changed the date on it, so it's going to fall into May. Damn it. Like, missed our sales target by, like, two grand. Oh, man. <laughs> that's a buzz. I mean, it's not really not really rooting for the same goal there. <laughs> She's just keeping the pressure on. Yeah. Do you get a lot of benefit out of the chat thing from customers? Do they get a lot of benefit out of it? <laughs> I find it's useful at times, yeah. Just for answering quick questions. Can It can be more efficient than email, I suppose, at times. But at, I reckon more often than not, I'm just sort of saying, hey, hey there, cool, can you just fill out the form? Or like just redirecting them to yeah. part of the website or to the quoting form. Speaking of quoting forms, I looked at yours mm-hmm. the other day. It's nice. Oh, just like our it. website? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, with the the templates and yeah, little guides and stuff. It's cool. 
my intention with all of that, like when I first started was, it was basically just me for quite a while, you know, eight months mm. or nine months. And I was like, and I've always done all the quotes basically with a little bit of help off and on. So it's always like, oh, how can I do the least amount of work each time? And it was like, well, I can keep optimizing this aspect. So like, that's how I started making videos and posts was how can I make it easier on myself? And maybe provide a little bit of educational stuff, I guess, to people. But yeah, I love those Airtable farms. There's a couple of things I wish I could do, like more like if then kind of like filtering as they're filling stuff out. But yeah, you can kind of trick your way into that with the way they do the conditional stuff in the first place. They've added more if then stuff recently, haven't they? Have you played with that much? Yeah, I don't know if I've played with it too extensively on the forms, but other places. Yeah, mm. but they're uh, we use those for so many things, like mm. even like internal processes. Like I have some that are for creating tasks. I just open up a page and it's got a task form that goes into projects and stuff. I've literally always taken all of our inquiries through that one version of that Airtable form on our website, yeah, and, right. which is nice because it's always in the same base, you know, somewhere. And I think it's a good qualifier for people to show yeah. that they're kind of interested, you know, and real work rather than just throwing you files and they're not prepared or yeah that's why we've been using it too as a qualification step and we keep refining the questions on it to try and improve our pre-qualification yep so like just yesterday sarah and i were talking about taking off the the drop down option for like what what can we do for you one of the options was help develop a new product and we <laughs> we deleted that yesterday because as much as I find that work rewarding, I had a sort of epiphany the other week of I've only got so many hours in my week and that high-level R&D work typically always falls to me. Yep. And say I've got, you know, eight hours a week where I can do that sort of work, mm-hmm. I would much rather be doing that high-level R&D on our business yep. rather yep. than on someone else's product. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I can only charge so much per hour for doing that R&D work for someone else versus, you know, developing a new product that could go on to sell really well or mm-hmm. whatever it is. So that, that kind of tipped me over the line because like a month ago, I was like, yeah, this is great doing this, you know, product development for other people. You know, we've got a lot of experience now. This is something we could potentially specialize in. And then, yeah, yeah, had that realization that it's a finite resource. I know it's interesting is I've had this kind of trending thing since about October towards the exact same realization where we were, I don't know, I just always in the cyclical process of never feeling like we have enough job shop work. And I was always chasing, mm. kind of making that work. And I was like, well, I had this taste of, I've told this before, I think here to you is wanted to make more products. So we, we really like went hard at that throughout. We're doing the inverse right now of that, where I was like, I started turning on a little bit more of our options for acceptance of smaller jobs, whereas we had kind of raised them up so that we could focus on our own products. And it's just been slower, a lot slower process than I would have liked for a lot of reasons. But you've a part of that thought was, I remember a couple of weeks ago, you were saying how valuable those R&D projects were. And I do the same whiplash of like, how much <laughs> I appreciate it. And then I'm like, I don't have enough time for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I find I can only support maybe two or three clients at a time who are in that space. And any more than that, it's too much. Definitely. For the business to sort of be scalable, then that has to be a really limited part of it. I don't think we'll stop doing that sort of work. I just think we're 
we won't sort of promote the fact that we do it and the people that will still do it for the people that find us and need that and where the relationship's a good match and things like that. But Yeah, I think that's the reason why I've left it on because we get the inquiries through the form of like, you want design services and they only have an idea, not mm. drawings. And those are tough to to make work usually. It's hard to put enough budget on them. Yeah, that's exactly the thing. There's usually not enough budget. I think there's just kind of a scenario where if you already know what you need help with, you probably already have help in some way or I don't know what it is. It's one of the things I still take them because sometimes you do get the perfect job and I'd rather say, hey, sorry, we can't help right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I find myself just not putting enough hours in the quote, just being, you know, classically too optimistic about how long it's going to take me to detail a new thing for somebody or, or problem solve something for someone. That's such an unknown area and you discover all sorts of things along the way. Like if I think about some of the products that I've sunk a lot, a lot of R&D time into internally and like how much time I've put into them to get to a certain point, like imagining what I would have charged out to develop that to a client. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Well, I think the more I learned, the more we learned culturally here about when we would, let's say, lose on those other projects, we would mm. then inflate. Not, that's the wrong word, but we would increase our quotes appropriately for the future ones. Yeah. Trying to cover those. We didn't make enough. And I think from the other side is the potential client. I've been there enough where it's like, oh, these prices are absurd. But really, mm. they probably aren't or either they don't want the project you know, and they're giving you the FU quote, or it's just, it's more than you expect. It's a chronic problem for me of underquoting, basically has been forever. And I've always tried different strategies mm -hmm. to get myself around it, to override my optimism. Like back when I had that crazy grasshopper patch, I had a slider that was called like optimism override or something. It was just like a multiplier that would <laughs> oh, that's apply contingency. Yeah. And so I've always tried to find ways to kind of cheat myself around it and just like yeah. enforce that there will be enough time in quotes. And so I'm running into that problem again since we've rebuilt everything in Airtable is that there's not that function at the moment. And Design in a factor, yeah. Yeah, and whilst I'm getting more confident at like increasing our GP because the way we quote at the moment, we kind of do all the raw costs and then decide what the gross profit mm. percentage needs to be for that sort of work. Yeah. And then apply that. I'm getting more confident going, cool, yeah, now I'll, you know, put another 10% at the end. Yeah. Yep. But I'm still terrible at, like, putting enough hours into the job. Yep, um, yep. So I was trying to think the other day how I can sort of add something into Airtable to that, that's happening behind the scenes that I'm not thinking about that's, like, kind of overriding my underestimates. Sure. But I don't know. This makes me think, and I am the same way. I never feel like I hit the perfect price for us and them. That's. I think maybe that's just unless you're a salesperson by heart. I had in my first couple of years of like, especially not having done any of this before, I had this, it's like maybe the first year, my, I was talking to my friend Seth and he's not involved with this business, he's just a really smart guy. And he was, he was saying, I don't know, maybe just make it simpler on yourself because I was complaining about, it's so hard to choose how many hours, like I either don't get the job or I get mm -hmm. it. And he's like, maybe make it simpler on yourself and just say, how much of a day is this going to take me? I like that. Like, is it a half day? Is it a full day? Yeah. If it's six hours, mm -hmm. it's probably going to be eight hours if you work yeah. eight hour days. And yeah. that really helped me to like stop thinking about it in minute amounts. And yeah, 
the client's probably not going to not choose the job unless they're on a strushing budget. And then that's probably not a good fit in the first place unless it, you really want that job. I always think about that whenever I'm really struggling. I'm like, I don't know. Well, it's a, it's at least a half a day easily. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I used to do that and I'm out of the habit now. I'm back in the mode of like minutia of like three minutes and 27 seconds for that part of that job and blah 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 blah. but i yeah that's a great point i need to get back into that headspace of just looking at the totals for different parts of the job and imagining like stepping out onto the floor at 8 a.m and going cool when will i be done will i be done by morning tea lunchtime end of the day that's a great technique you can't do it until you've had enough experience failing though right no but i've had plenty of (laughs) plenty of experience failing (laughs) i find no shortage Yeah, same. Sometimes I'll just the last thought on that. Sometimes I'll walk out and go like, Ricky, I'm quoting this job. This past one we did. How long do you think that took? Would it take you an hour or would it be like half a day full? You know, how long would it take you? And usually even just getting those like big round numbers is surprisingly helpful Mm because sometimes I'm not. We stop keeping track of time and even the perceptive ideas of how long some of those processes take are off in my head. Yeah. Quotes. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. We went from, from app talk to now we're just like a sales and quoting podcast. Sales and marketing <laughs> with Justin and Jim. Salesforce sponsored. I was going to say your, what? We checked the box at the same time. Oh, did it uncheck itself? I You checked and no. as soon as you did, I checked it and I unchecked it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the machine noise last week was very un. un you're not stopping production for this, I hope. It's been convenient, honestly, with our power being out. It's been convenient to not it have things been. been running like Ricky's got some computer work. But yeah, you're right. It wasn't as bad as I thought. So I think we could totally run it if we needed to. I reckon it was fine and kind of nice to hear a little bit of life. Yeah, it's know. not just a dead silent shop the whine of a router in the background would be <laughs> only you and i would acceptable. appreciate that <laughs> when i walk into the shop and i hear that like the router's whining i'm like oh money oh, that's good well, i think your tool's rubbing in the background there justin just like <laughs> <laughs> might want to uh, duck out and adjust that the feed rate yeah it's going a little high hey how'd you go with the poplar I cut it last night before I left. I posted a little reel on Instagram, but it's it's exactly what you described. Every other layer on one direction is mm-hmm. rough as hell and yeah. a little bit rougher on the top and bottom than I expected, but it wasn't too bad. Like, I think it's all serviceable. I think I probably had hopes that it would be closer to like a Baltic core, but it's it feels more like balsa. Have you ever cut that before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really <laughs> like balsa. It's, yeah. So I guess the question I have, since I haven't done anything with it since I cut it, was does it sand up pretty well, like those edges? Mm, yeah, it does. It just, I just remember having to sand a long way in to get past the, the tear out. That's the only thing. Oh, yeah, we you have said like edge. a millimeter or something, right? Or, yeah, like half a mil or something. We have an edge sander. Do you have yeah. an edge sander? Just got one, yeah. You just got one, sweet. Yeah, no, I, I remember it finishing quite nicely. Just very soft. Yeah. Like you can burn through it. Like it's easy enough to sand it off. It's just like you can go too far very quickly. Yeah, that is the problem with those things is they're so good at tearing through material. Yep, quite aggressive. Yeah, we've been using more and more hoop pine and enjoying it. So that's the Australian grown stock that we're replacing birch with. I think Baltic Baltic birch is more of an American expression. We don't, we just call it 
birch over here. Oh, but I think it's I think we're talking about the same stuff. Probably comes out of Russia. Yep. Yeah. 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 I don't know why that distinction. There must have at some point been another birch. <laughs> Maybe. Well, we've used Finnish birch from Koskisen a bit mm. in the past. That's lovely stuff. Like the best birch plywood I've ever seen or used by mm. far. Like just really beautiful stuff. But our local supplier stopped importing it a couple of years ago, unfortunately. But during, I think it was 2017, when we were using a bit of that product and our importer, Maxi Ply, was still bringing it in, Laura and I got a chance to visit the Koskasen Mill in Finland. Oh, wow. And that was really cool. I'd never been in a, a timber processing plant that big. Seeing them take those logs and just like unroll them yeah. in a second, all the processes around it. But they had this cool, they kind of had two plants running. They had a plywood plant and a chipboard plant. Mm. And pretty much all the offcuts from the plywood processing got chipped and turned into chipboard. So it was kind of these two plants sort of interwoven into each other. And all the waste, all the waste from one then created another product in the other and... Mm. Really, really nice setup. It was pretty funny because Laura and I rocked up there. It was just, yeah, just the two of us. And we got the fins are hilarious. Like they're so wonderfully sort of formal and quiet that we <laughs> rocked up in this boardroom and they had this whole like PowerPoint presentation ready for us oh, as wow. if we were some big international company visiting and like they had four staff and morning tea prepared and like four people spent two hours with us giving us this PowerPoint presentation about the company and then this tour around the thing. It was quite funny, but really, really sweet and yeah, cool, cool to see. If we were ever in a position to start importing our own plywood, I'd love to go back to them and mm-hmm. get that stuff. I haven't heard about that. I've used Apple Ply before or heard of it, mm. like made basically in our backyard, like 50 miles south, maybe 100 miles. I had thought for the longest time that it was like all American made. It was like the red, white, and blue, like plywood. (laughs) (laughs) And then I found out as prices, and this is before the big event of the Russian invasion, but Mm. that was always my backup plan if we had to, and prices on Baltic birch basically imported stuff was gone. And then I found out (laughs) it's the same core. They just import the core parts and then assemble it here rather than the whole sheet and assembly getting imported at once. They so glue just, it locally. Oh, all the veneers are glue, glued locally. The veneers come so. in and then they're pressing the whole lot. It's a Hilarious. lot. It, I mean, it's a it's an amazing product. You were talking about okay. the best you've seen. I To date, I've never seen a better assembly of plywood than apple ply, cool. but it's also usually like almost double or triple the price, usually double. And now it's just so wacky. I don't even know. That really threw me for a loop because I was like, oh, we'll just use apple ply. It's, it's made down mm. the road. <laughs> oh, so it is birch. Oh, it's soy glue. Yeah. Formaldehyde-free soy adhesive. Cool. Yep. Yeah, it's a really cool product. <clears throat> That's what the poplar plywood we can get here is as well. That's soy adhesive. Same as this stuff we've been using. Yeah, cool. I notice you've got a no a zero MDF policy on your website yeah. as well. Do you That's also cool. do that? Yeah. Oh, wow. You're the only other person as... I've ever heard do that. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we turned off MDF maybe two two years ago or something. Just in an end-of-year staff meeting, we are like, mm, how much work are we actually doing in it? Not that much. What would happen if we turned it off? Yeah, let's do it. Was there another reason other than, well, what were reasons for it, I guess? Just health. Yep. It's yep. just gross. You know? Same. Yeah. Yeah. We still use it for our sacrificial sheet. Same. 
Yeah, I don't know of a replacement for that. I've tried to do research. I I would like to try the HDPE version of that. Whoa. We do like a really, you know, thick sheet of HDPE and you perforate it thousands thousands of holes. Or back to the hole sheets. And then, you know, you deck it beautifully flat and then you're just, 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 just skimming into it. Yeah. By, you know, 0.05 or something. Interesting. But it's quite a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> to tra- trial that system. So we've never gone down that path. So we're still running MDF for sacrificial. But that, that Poplar plus, so light core, maybe it's, maybe it's porous enough. <laughs> yeah. I, so my story about MDF, it's either people just are like, oh, okay, that's fine. Or they're like, mm. what are you talking about? This is the only thing I get, you know, have stuff made out of. My story of it was nobody ever told me about what it was in school. And we'd make a lot of models. Mm. Dust collection was basically non-existent in this tiny room really. I used a router in. So we'd make topo models of a site for school and architecture school. And I'd just be in what, there. What models? Topographic, like T-O-P-O. Oh, yeah. Topo. Yeah. I'd just be in there watching this ancient machine run because it could start on fire easily every once in a while. <laughs> and uh, just breathing it. And I had a sore throat mm-hmm. slash cough for a solid year. Like it just did mm-hmm. not go away. And and it took me a while to figure out what that was about. Especially after that, I kind of learned more and more that, I mean, from my understanding, like the dust is so fine, it goes straight through filters. You can't remove it really from the air once it's in the air it's just never been worth it to me and people really appreciate that i think the work here so other people want to do it that's great but it's just never been a thing we've done yeah cool so you haven't done it from the start i did like one prototype for somebody out of it and that was about it yeah like maybe the first couple jobs yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it they i have broken my own rule once in the last two years for a job that called for black velcromat, I think is the product. It's like outdoor stuff. Outdoor it's outdoor. It's just, you know, that fully stained product. I think the European name is Velcromat or something. We call it Fours Color here, but it's basically a full color MDF anyway. We're doing this job cutting this big world map and it was supposed to be in paper rock, which is like an HBL solid mm-hmm. high pressure laminate product. Yep. But then the spec changed. And yeah, it just happened in that instance, broke my own rule. Cause I was like, this is actually the best product for this job. Cool. We'll yeah. It. it makes sense. That is the downside is you run into this problem all the time of, especially if you want to make a 3d, a large 3d thing and you need contiguous non like mm. layered material. There's not a lot of options. Foams. There's foams. Yeah. Yeah. I've never really played with foam. I'm on the Velcromat website and they say Velcromat is not MDF. It is an evolution of the MDF. (laughs) Nice. Yes. Good luck with that marketing. (laughs) Not winning me over. Have you done much with high density foams? No, honestly. I've got some samples. Every job we've gotten close to doing for somebody, it falls through, I think, for budget reasons. It's pretty expensive. Yeah. And it's often jobs where you're doing like 3D surfacing with lots of machine time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had an RFQ for like a mold. It was like our full CNC bed of 3D surfacing. And their budget wasn't even enough to cover the foam. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How are you quoting um, 3D surfacing jobs? Do you run timing in CAM or do you just look at the surface area and apply like rough step over? Yeah. Minimum, I do a roughing set up, do some type of adaptive clearing, depending on the material, and then I'll do something like a parallel pass on it, just because yeah. that's 
I, I think that's one of the closest ways you can get a time estimate in Fusion. Mm-hmm. It may not be the best um, operation. It doesn't have a lot of pickups yeah. where the machine yeah. needs to move. That works somewhat. I did for a while when we were getting more of those inquiries. I wanted to try to figure out like a square foot price. Mm, so, that, so that instead of needing to calculate it, they're all pretty close to the same. I mean, if you get really deep, you may need to have some type of other factor. But if it's just a couple inches of, you know, change over the surface there's no reason you shouldn't be able to do a square foot estimation pretty quickly yeah that's a great point mm. think about that if we get more inquiries for that that's exactly what i was like well someday i'll get into that because we just don't get them <laughs> that often i'm curious about your you said last week that you take fridays off for like butter and mm. i immediately wrote that down to talk about i think i've heard some story like a news story that was like it was either New Zealand or Australian company that had chosen to do that years ago. And it was like an American is like, what do you mean? Like you can take a day off. What do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. So we have been doing a four day work week since 2016, I think 2017, maybe. And look, that that statement has a lot of disclaimers around it, because until I had children, I was working a six or seven day a week. Yeah. But as a company, we've been doing a four-day work week since around then. And it kind of happened by accident because we it was around the time where I was like, I need someone to help me with the admin. I'm doing everything. I'm mm-hmm. on the tools. I'm doing all the quotes. This is unsustainable, working, you know, six or seven days a week. It's like, cool, let's get a business manager. And that was the 2016 was when we hired Sarah. And Sarah came in from a completely different industry. And we were like, yes, you're fantastic. We want you for the job oh, we can't afford you for five days a week. <laughs> and she was like, oh, well, why don't I, I'll just work four days. And I was like, okay, cool. We can afford you for four days. Let's do that. Then, yeah, very quickly, because everyone in production was working five days and she was doing four days and very quickly it was like, oh, this isn't actually, this is kind of tricky to make this work because, you know, Sarah's not here on Fridays. It's like, why don't we look at doing a four-day week? And most people were into it. And yeah, there was a transitionary period where like some people were still doing five. And anyway, it basically just evolved over a number of years to the point where the website said, yeah, we're closed on Fridays. Or well, Fridays became close to the public at least. And, and then, yeah, it became more and more formal over time. And now it's definitely a thing. And it's interesting. It comes up in conversation because it's come into question a little bit lately. Cause when I started hmm. receiving business coaching. <laughs> They were like, what are you doing? Like, how can you squander 20% of your revenue potential? That much of your potential production time. And like, you've got machines sitting there three days a week doing nothing. I was like, all right, I'll just try and prove you wrong. But yeah, it does come up. And like, even just lately running our numbers, we're like, yes, we need more production hours in the week. How do we achieve that? And so few people have been doing full-time hours in four days or full-time hours in four and a half days coming in Friday morning. So these, you know, there's all sorts of little things happening around that. It's not a strict yeah. four-day only week. But uh, during during the pandemic or like the heat of the pandemic, it was last winter, I think, or maybe the winter before, we're like, hey guys, we need to up our production hours. Is anyone interested in going full-time and doing like five days in four? Because that's a model that a lot of businesses use when they're doing a four-day week. And most of the team were like, yeah, cool, we'll give it a go. And we did a six-week trial of doing five in four and pretty much everyone by the end of the six weeks was just like, no thanks. (laughs) I don't want to go to work in the dark, get home in the dark. Like it's not that extra day of income is not worth it to me for that sacrifice. So we've most people went back to the four days at that point. 
I would assume, but things are different. Is this eight hours a day that's considered full normally for uh, you? Yeah, 7.6. Yep. 7.6. Why is it 7.6? I don't know, because a 38-hour week is considered uh, full-time for manufacturing in Australia. Oh. And, yeah, I mean, I'm quite attached to the idea conceptually. Yeah. Like, I like the idea that our staff have a, a weekday to go off and do stuff, you know, go to the mm-hmm. doctor, go to the bank, do all that life stuff. Yep. And also just pursue other interests. Having having people who are engaged and interested in other stuff <laughs> beyond their job, I think, is a really beneficial thing both for them as individuals but also for the culture of the company. And Yeah, I think, just, I, I think that's basically how the original argument of this article that I read some time ago, probably about that same time frame that you're talking about, the productivity loss wasn't dramatic or mm. at all, potentially, and that people were much happier yep. about it. I've never heard, to my knowledge, somebody here, I'm sure there are, but just from hearsay, I haven't heard of anybody in the States doing like a full day off. It ends mm. up being four 10-hour days, and then you take yes. like a Friday off, which my shop neighbor does that. I could see that too. I kind of incidentally work like 10 to 12 hours a day kind of accidentally, and I That's could right. see yeah. that. So I don't know. I, I know it's different when you own something versus when you are getting paid to be there. So <laughs> That's right. I do the same thing. I do roughly a sort of 38 to 40 hour week when everything's under control mm-hmm. in, in four days. And that's I find that quite comfortable. But yeah, yeah. as you said, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are your hours? Oh, it changes all the time. Kind of changes by the staff we have. Like I mentioned, yeah. we're pretty slim at the moment. So yeah, yeah I... Yeah. I've been getting up earlier and earlier. Maybe you've been influencing me. Uh, I was going to cool. show you my, let's see here. Can this, this happen without dramatic failure of the podcast? <laughs> Can you see that? Oh, screen share. Wow. Workflow. I made a Ooh, template. Default diary. Hello. I made a little attempt at your default yes. diary because I like this idea and I felt dramatically unable to have my own schedule. So it's, Fantastic. a couple days this worked really well. Some days... I uh, wasn't even remotely close to it, <laughs> but it's oh, been yeah, nice. Absolutely. I really liked, I look forward to a couple of the blocks. Some of them I hate, you know, but like <laughs> it gives me a little more freedom mentally to like work. Oh, oh, I can just work on like this prototype part now. And I'll, I know when I'm going to work on quotes, which mm. is like a totally new thought to me instead of it's like always burning in the back of my mind. I know that was the big thing for me. So instead of all day feeling like, oh, crap, I need to be doing that. Just going, no, I'll do it at that time slot. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'm still kind of trying to figure out the owner one. I think you mentioned that was. That's kind a of, hard one. It's a tough. I've just kind of been using it as like cleanup of all oh, the yeah. things I need to worry about. So I called it owner 3S, which is that lean term. Cool. Right? Like, I like sweet that. standardized. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can remember <laughs> the first, third one. That's been somewhat successful. And I guess to answer your question about the time frame, it's been mostly, I'd say, completely successful in that I let people choose their own schedule as long as it's regular. So right. it's not been a problem. The only problem is when we have deliveries and nobody's here. Because <laughs> for a while, most of us just didn't want to work early. But we at times we've had a guy that would come in at seven and he'd be here wanting to work. And what's nice about that is then you almost get like a second shift because like Ricky likes mm-hmm. to come in at like 10 and he works till like 630. So yeah, cool. it kind of works out and that you get if we were that busy, it would work out to get more hours out of your 
your equipment, right? And your staff. Be machines. Yeah, that's but right. Yeah. When you're not busy, it doesn't really, it's, it's just a convenience. As being a small company, I don't have a ton of benefits to offer still. So that's one thing I think people can appreciate, at least as I mentioned before, we're just, I'm just really flexible about you need to leave as long as you're covered, what you need to get accomplished, somebody else, yeah. then yeah, whatever works. That's cool. Yeah. I think that's where I see if it becomes a problem in future that we're still just doing four days, then I see people still doing a four day contract, but split them over the week so yeah. that we're getting so the machines are running yeah, every yeah. day if we need that capacity then that's the easiest way to get it in my mind for sure yeah yeah well the thing we found challenging in the past around that was we used to have a quite a much more split week so we'd have people who were only in on certain days or only yeah. did three days or two days and the communication breakdown was really challenging of just like not having everyone in on the <clears> same day on the same schedule yep it's so much easier yep, to communicate yep effectively versus like oh did you like have you been told this about this job or <laughs> not knowing who knows what but now that we've got a much better sort of internal erp effectively with Airtable, i think that would be less of a challenge these yep. days but it's still hard though we had an employee that worked only a couple days a week and they were always somewhat challenged by how long it had been since they'd worked basically they'd bash those mm-hmm. two days and we would always have a lot of stuff for them to work on when they got there. So there was never a catch up period. It was just always like, yes, jump in. Yeah. It doesn't work great. Regularity is nice. Um, There's a pile. There's the sander and a pile of parts. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's more like design uh, six fixtures real quick, you know, like Uh, get them made by tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's tricky. One of our guys, Josh has gone back to study this semester and he's in that detailing role in Fusion. And so he's just here two days a week at the moment. And he drops in. And it's just, yeah, there's a pile of jobs to detail. <laughs> yeah. But he's doing really well. He's nice. learning a lot and smashing through it. So it's cool. Yeah. You have Gem and J try quotient and the results are in. And I'm curious to hear <laughs> what the results are. Well, when I wrote that, the results were in and it was off the table. We'd scrapped it. Interesting. We'd had a few days of excitement. I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. Yeah. And then we tried some of the connections and we're like, we can't feed the data into it that we want to get into it out of Airtable. Ah. So we quote in Airtable and then we want all of that data to automatically feed into a quote. And Ooh. the input webhooks, as they're called, are not particularly advanced. Yeah. The outputs look really strong. So yeah. getting stuff out of it into zero or other platforms should be fine anyway so we basically canned it and then jay did another sort of 48 hours of research into other options in that space because we're trying to avoid building our own Mm -hmm. basically doubling up and then jay and i had to sit down yesterday and ran through all the options that they'd researched and basically swung full circle back to quotient and (laughs) interesting like cool okay let's give it another go let's do a full trial like connecting it to all the bits that it needs to be connected to and it's not going to be as automatic as we'd hoped but we both of us keep coming back to your comment of like how much customers love it and we can see from what we've fiddled with that it would be such a nice client facing interface yeah so even if it's not automatic i think it'll still be a great improvement yeah i mean if there's manual entry i know exactly what you're talking about i still enter in every customer's info at the beginning 
And then I have it templatized to a point where I can just basically, because most of our jobs are very similar in terms of like they need labor, they need some type of material. I usually have to update the material to the right thing. And a lot of them are already in there. And I have to maybe update the price. It's all crazy lately. And then (laughs) you enter in the amount of hours and maybe whatever custom detail about that job. And maybe yours is similar enough that unless you've got the perfect system, I think maybe like your Airtable, I'm always going to be making something custom on every quote. Like they're never, they're never the same. Sometimes we get repeat jobs and I can just copy the old quote and update a couple things. That's nice. Nice. (laughs) I, I think you could pretty easily automate creating the customer and the little bit of the like lead. company info yeah 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 we'll automate the lead entry but yeah it looks like it's gonna be manual entry for the, all the the job details itself but the bit that we should be able to templatize i think is all the the generic information about the process and you know these are the steps in our deposit process or these are the yep. pros and cons of raw finish versus sealed finish and like just turn that template stuff on and off in the bottom of a quote yep because that's the main thing we're lacking at the moment is all that just that richness of information so instead of them just getting this black and white quote pdf out of zero yep. they get like this rich text thing with pictures and lots of info and it looks like we'll be able to do that for us so yeah we'll, have, we'll keep going and see i have a friend joe that we used to share a shop and he does like fine woodworking he had started out kind of on his own selling stuff on etsy which is i don't know if you have probably that yeah, to some yeah. degree and he just you know managing that kind of stuff wasn't really his like desire right like not many people want to build an erp <laughs> i do yeah you're right <laughs> a few of us and i showed him quotient and he loves it and he finds that as far as i remember he was saying that he thinks it helps him more easily sell clients things that they want potentially that he would otherwise have to have some really verbose conversation about because he'll put in options like uh, he builds a lot of vanities for bathrooms and he'll put in an option like this docking drawer thing that he gets that you can put in a little outlet in the drawer but if he just says that it sounds like he's trying to like add stuff on Mm. to this thing you know it's like hard to show but if it has a photo that you can pop up and it describes it they check the box it's in their project now nice yeah we'll check it out tell me about uh drawings infusion you're way ahead of me in this field i think i do very hacky ones oh gosh someday i'll ha- we'll have to have a all compliments to fusion episode but this is not one of my <laughs> compliments to fusion comments I-, I know they've done some work to improve them but i find them mostly very frustrating still and there have been some new stuff that i like i really like the re- ever since we started doing products the revision table thing kind of came out perfectly last month where now you can track those things especially when you're sending out court requests and other companies have them make stuff for you it's really nice to be able to like say this exact thing changed and you can call it out and put it in the table some of that was broken i guess i got it fixed but i just find i do a lot of fiddling to make it do the same thing like the templates are there but they're not you can't save most of the things you really want to save, in my opinion. Like, I want mm. the drawings to always have a title. You don't have titles. And you got to, like, custom make those every time. I, you know, it's basically just been me using them here. 
and a couple other people have over time. Maybe you have a similar feeling. I have a background where I was graded on how well I made drawings, right? Like in school. And then in the few years I worked, like I had people that were that sat me down and said, this is how you do drawings. It was like a heart to heart talk and very serious to these people. (laughs) Like you only put your dimensions in this space so that they never get cut off by the printer. You know, it's like all this stuff. And Mm. it's painful to me in a certain sense because I can't put that kind of nice detail into it. And it was very important to me at one time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's my take on it. Yeah. I think I've always been a bit rebellious with that stuff. Yes. I was trained in drawing conventions, (laughs) conventions, but I think I rejected them pretty early on. And the first sort of industry job I had, it was all about speed and getting like Mm. drawings and renders out as fast as possible. And it became more important to ensure that things were communicated clearly. Sure. Convention was less important. It was more about, yes, are the key dimensions there? Yes or no? Great. Cool. It's been communicated. And I guess flowing that into my own business, it it became much more sort of a practical thing. A lot of the drawings I did were just for internal use for like, Mm -hmm. cool, we need to make the steel frame. Here's the dimensions. Highlight. Make sure you hit this dimension. And then I think I've continued that. Like we do do some formal shop drawings that go out for approval. But during, during the pandemic, when video communications became more common i got into the habit of doing screen captures for clients and yeah i pretty much scrapped drawings completely and i would just turn on a screen recording program like this and just talk walk and talk a client through fusion like to pick the project apart and go yeah cool this is what i've done here this is that detail and yeah that's why i decided to do this because this looked funny and just you can communicate so much so quickly that's very hard to communicate or very time consuming to do that yeah in a tech drawing there's problems with that in terms of markups and communication of changes and things like that obviously i'm trying to get more disciplined and make sure that they at least have a pdf thing that they can mark up that goes with that screen capture but i find 90 percent of my communication with the client for approval is happening in screen capture these days and i find it super powerful interesting yeah, that's pretty like, I've not heard of anybody else doing that, but I totally know what you mean in terms of I'll do that internally a lot. I'll make a video to show. Usually it's like, oh, I figured out how something works through talking to somebody at Autodesk about Fusion. And I'm like, look, guys, you can do this now <laughs> instead mm. of, you know, it's this, this other thing. And that is easily the best way instead of like doing it each person, right? I can totally see it's, you know, most clients, I would venture to guess our clients don't end up having a background that they could read, you know, like a traditional drawing of some sort very well anyway. So it's not necessarily helpful. A lot of times when we do any work for them where we need some kind of drawing or presentation of representation of the product i use renderings and i sometimes just send them like the fusion public link so they can just spin the model around and they love i use that all the time yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. i'll send the screen capture and that fusion public link yep so they can pick it apart i find that's a fantastic combination for most people and the the other thing is i don't like architectural drawings i have a real distaste for receiving like a drawing package i open the email and just like that's a quote inquiry oh yeah i pretty much just like glance at the drawing package and i'm just like i'll deal with this later i just feel immediately overwhelmed and like which which bit of the thing do you actually want like just give me one page and highlight the key information even with my background i hate that because it's usually i know from being in the architectural field that it's intentionally left vague most of the time exactly it's intentional so that they're not liable for anything. Yeah, that's it. 
yeah. check, check, measure all dimensions on site. Yeah. Make up Not your own, problem. you know, make your own drawings for us. And it's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I understand why that industry operates that way. But yes, as someone who has to then quote the joinery for a thing, it's incredibly infuriating. Yeah. Sometimes, though, it's the best because I'll get this beautiful rhino file from an architectural designer and like, thank you. Nobody sends me things like this. <laughs> like, this is this is straight to my warm heart. Oh, yeah. It's lovely when that happens. What are you up to the rest of the week or today? Let me check my Airtable list. <laughs> I think more of the same today. A little bit of detailing, lots of general admin to get through marketing meeting in the afternoon yeah bits and bobs bits and bobs it's one of those days where i'll get to the end and and i'll think what have i achieved i don't know but i was busy Mm -hmm. and i got in at 5 30 a.m so i must have got something done right (laughs) Uh uh-huh that's the worst sometimes i think we've maybe chatted about that before but some of those days where i'm just like like the last couple days i've just been making drawings and exporting dxf for like laser cutting bending projects and i get to the end of the day i'm like that was what did i do you know like it's not anything i can see nobody's working on a new thing and i sometimes i just have to like go sometimes i just pick up a broom i'm like i gotta sweep something feels good to do that hey yeah 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 Yeah, my equivalent to that is like jumping on the forklift and just moving some packs of material around to like clear the workshop floor. (laughs) yes yeah if our shop was bigger i'd probably be spinning around on it if it worked more that's guess that's my new my trend line is if it worked I'd be using it. <laughs> I do have to say though, from bitching about my air compressor installation, that thing is such dry air now. We don't Beautiful. have any moisture in our airlines anymore, and it is. It also runs for like forty five seconds at a time, and then it's off. <laughs> like it used to be like minutes. It's crazy mm, different. Great. Awesome. Did you not have a dryer previously? No, we lived by putting a lot of those water separators all over the place, Yeah, which was kind of stupid. I should have done something better a long time ago, but it's over now. How's the surface taper of your spindle? Is it rust free? Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have like, we had a couple machine, like whole system separators in the back by the old compressor. And then at each machine, there was at least one to three filters. (laughs) Like legitimately, there's like two or three on one machine cool yeah yeah when when we installed the dryer i never ever found moisture in one of those filters ever again it's it's so wild yeah game changer yeah it sounds like a little like refrigerator like Mm. like a dorm fridge (laughs) yeah running (laughs) i guess we better wrap it up keep this thing in check for sure i'm gonna attempt to fix a forklift yeah good luck with that i don't know either that or i'm gonna call somebody and pay a lot of money because i did a stupid thing but yes i guess if i was saunders i'd ask you know where where is your time valuable Uh uh-huh uh-huh i've been thinking about that too it is to my knowledge other than our lawyer it is the most costly thing we can hire out somebody to repair our fork to work on our (laughs) forklift And that blows my mind. I'm like kind of pissed about it, especially because I was the one to make the mistake about it. So. Yeah, it's frustrating. No, I, I have the same thought, but I also don't have like a ton of paying work right now. So yeah, got to get it done. Spend more time than I need to. Okay. Cool. Oh, good luck. Good week. Yeah. See you, man. Thanks, man. Bye. Bloop. Bloop.